0: Good morning, and thank you once again for joining us on this Sunday morning. As we transition now from our time of worship to our time gathered around God's word, I would really like for us just to begin with prayer. And so if you would join with me as we go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that we can join together on this Sunday morning in unique ways, but that, Lord, you have called us together to worship you in spirit and in truth, and Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for, Lord, this time of worship that we can proclaim the promises of who you are and the promises, Lord, the finished work of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for that. And Lord, in this time that we're in, we pray, Lord, for your peace that surpasses understanding. Lord, so many who have been impacted and affected in this time that we're in, Lord, we pray, Lord, for the work that only you can do, Lord, for the hope of Christ to be something that we will be quick as the church to point People too. And so, Lord, this morning, as we now, Lord, take our time from uh, our, our hearts and our minds in, in worship and in song to now upon your word, Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds, Lord, that you would grow us, that you would deepen us, that you would make us more like Christ. We give you praise for who you are and what you've promised us. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. And a lot of guys people said... Amen. God bless you. It is great to have you once again, and I want to thank you for joining us uh, on this Sunday morning. I want to thank our volunteers. I want to thank the guys in this room each week who make uh, this possible. And I believe the Lord is working. again, obviously, these are unusual times in the life of our world, in the life of our church. However, we know that God works in the midst of all of this, and there are things that God is uniquely doing through this season that he could not do otherwise, and we rest in that. And so this morning, I ask if you would take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Psalms, Psalm 63. Last week, we began a new series, and we looked at Psalm 40, and the top of the series is some good news, and I think it's safe to say that we're all in some need of some good news, and found all throughout this book, from Genesis to Revelation, is good news. Promises that cannot be broken. Promises that do not hinge upon our circumstances. Promises that do not hinge upon the season in which the world that we're living in. Promises that cannot be broken. And so I pray this morning that you're encouraged with the promises of God's word. Last week, we looked at Psalm 40, and there was a passage there where David proclaims the truth, and he says this about God's truth preserving him, and it's been a verse that has stuck with me all week long, and it's Psalm 40, verse 11, and this is the cry that David proclaims. He says, do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness, and listen to what he says, and your truth continually preserve me. That is our prayer, that God's truth would preserve us that God's truth would sustain us and that God's truth would lead us through these times. And so in saying that, if you've got your Bibles, I'm to invite you to turn with me to Psalm 63. David is now writing from the wilderness. And I believe uh, it's kind of different from last week as we talked about him writing from the pit. I do not believe he was writing from a literal pit. I believe he was giving a description of where he was at, whether it was a physical or emotional, psychological or spiritual pit. But this morning he's writing literally from the wilderness. We know that there are two seasons of his life that we find him in the wilderness, literally running for his life. We know in the early parts. We're introduced to uh, this man by the name of David, or this young uh, teenager by the name of David, in 1 Samuel chapter 16. You know the story? Where Samuel, the prophet of God, is sent to the house of Jesse, eight sons, to find the next king. Eliab comes in, the oldest son, the tall son, the handsome son, and and Samuel says, well, surely this must be the anointed of God. And if you remember the passage there, God says, you know, uh, men looks on the outside, but God sees the heart of the individual. Samuel looks at Jesse and says, are these all of your sons? Well, there's one more, the youngest, who's out in the fields tending to the sheep, and we're introduced to David. Just a couple of chapters later, I know some of the first stories we learned. I know some of the first stories I learned. Vacation Bible School, the story of David and Goliath. We are introduced to this man of courage, this young man of courage, to this young man who has a heart for God. And the Bible even describes him. The only one given to us in scripture, a man after God's own heart. But a man who was not perfect, right? We understand that, right? Yes, we understand that, that from his bloodline came the Savior, Jesus. But he was a sinner just like you and I. We know the affair of Bathsheba. We know the, the, the story of murder. This was a man who had his ups and downs, but it was the promises of God that sustained him. And just as he writes from a pit and proclaims the promises that brings him out of that pit, he now writes from the wilderness. And he proclaims, God, hey, I wasn't planning on being here, but in your sovereignty and in your authority, you knew that this is exactly where I would be. And in that place, he proclaims the power and the promises given to him by God. And I pray this morning, we can do the same. With your Bibles in hand, Psalm 63, just 11 verses of scripture. As David now writes from the wilderness, he proclaims these promises. Notice the personal aspect of the promise that he proclaims given to us in verse one. He says this, so Psalm 63, verse one. Oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Because you have been my help, let me say it again, because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. Hear this this morning. Your right hand upholds me, but those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals, but the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory but the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. Join with me again as we go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your truth, Lord, that preserves us. And Lord, we pray that this morning. Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and that, Lord, that you would grow us deeper into your truth. Lord, we thank you for the good news that you've given us. Lord, on this side of the greatest fulfillment, of the greatest promise that's ever been given. Lord, on this side of the empty tomb, on this side of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, we thank you that your truth preserves us. And we pray this morning, Lord, as our hearts and our minds and our emotions have a tendency to go into all different places. Lord, may you center us by the promises that you've given us. When we can't see your hands, We trust your heart. So Lord, this morning, you show us your heart. We pray it and we ask it in the name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen. You may be seated back onto your couch or wherever you may be seated. Now, maybe you can relate. You say, well, I can't relate to the wilderness thing, but I do have five kids at home that I'm trying to to homeschool. And so I can relate a little bit to the wilderness. I do feel like I'm surrounded by wild animals. Maybe you can relate. You know, even even just the haircut deal, right? I mean, maybe maybe you can say, well, I can't relate to the wild animals, but I feel like I've lived in the wilderness for twenty years because all you have to do is look at my haircut. We gave our son Tristan a quarantine haircut this past week. And let's just say this, it didn't go very well. Let's just say this that uh it was confirmed, not that I needed confirmation in this, but it was confirmed that not only am I not gifted in 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 serving in the parking lot, but I also don't have the gift of cutting hair. But anyway, you'll see that, I'm sure as uh, we gather back together. He'll be the kid of many kids with the bad haircut. Let's walk through this passage. And what I pray this morning is that you are encouraged because I know the Lord has been encouraging me because I'm with you. I've got questions. I've got doubts. We all do, right? And in the season that we're in, The enemy loves to work in the gray areas. And so what must we do as a body of believers? We must be centered upon truth. We must pray what David prays in Psalm 40, that Lord, may your truth continually preserve us. And I pray this morning that you would allow the promises of this passage To sink in. Look at what he says here beginning in verse one. He begins this beautiful psalm really with a two-part praise. Look at what he says in verse one of Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. It's a two-part praise here, because basically what he says is this. He says, first of all, I'm going to praise you for who you are, Elohim. God, you are God. And we know that just even in that name, right? I mean, just even in that name alone, it is speaking of the plurality of of majesty and fullness and and honor. Basically, the literal translation is you are the God of God. You are the Elohim of Elohims. And so it's a two-part praise. Not only is he identifying that he is the creator God, the all-powerful God, the one who upholds all majesty and honor, but he says what? You are my God. It's a two-part praise. He says, first of all, this is who you are. This is who your word has revealed you to be. Second part of that praise is that everything that you are, you belong to me. I mean, don't miss the personal aspect of this statement. He says, oh God, you are my God. We can proclaim the same thing this morning. And I pray that. I pray you have that security. I pray you have that assurance. And we understand that it's in Christ alone, right? John 14, 6, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so I say this even through this camera, right? That this is not about practicing a religion. This is a heart that has a relationship with Jesus. How much more on this side of the empty tomb, can we proclaim these words, right? God, you are my God. Now this sounds something that we see that is familiar, right? Psalm 23, the Lord is what? What does he say? The Lord is my shepherd, not just a shepherd, but the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's what he says. He says, listen, if God is my shepherd, how should I have any wants? He repeats this, Psalm 18. The Lord is not just a rock. What does he say? The Lord is my rock. The Lord is not just a fortress, he's my fortress, not just a deliverer, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. We proclaim the same thing this morning. I pray right there, we could stop the sermon, which we're not, we're not, don't, don't get excited. We're not gonna stop, don't cut me off yet, but we could stop it right here. God, you are God, you're my God. You combine the two, and here is David running from his life in the wilderness. And he says, man, those two promises right there alone secures me. And because of who you are, look at what he says, in the next part of verse one, because you are God and because you are my God, what does he say? Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Many have referred to this as the morning psalm where he says here that early will I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you. This is the Old Testament version of Matthew six thirty three, where Jesus says what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. This is that picture. This is the picture of a, of a man. No wonder he's described as a man after God's own heart. He says that from the moment I wake up, I have a desire, not for the things of this world, but to know my God more, to go deeper with him to walk with him even, even closer. And I remember, man, years ago when I was in a seminary, our professors used to say this all the time about the disciplines of spending time with God each day, but, but getting to the Lord early. And I'm reminded of verses like this. And our professor would say this. And I'm not sure, I think he, he used this as a quote from somewhere else, but he would say this. He would say, what first lays hold of the heart in the morning is likely to occupy the heart all throughout the day. Here's a man after God's own heart, and he says, hey, you wanna see the pattern of my relationship? The moment I wake up, I thirst for the Lord. Can we say that? Can I say that? That more than the questions dominating my mind is a heart that thirsts for the Lord. That more than the uncertainty of how is this gonna play out and how is that gonna play out, That, that more than my mind being consumed on those things, that my mind and my heart says, no, Lord, I thirst for you. I seek you. My flesh longs for you that in this dry and thirsty land where there is no water, you quench that thirst. I love this because even the word early has not only the sense of early in the morning, but, but it speaks of, of eagerness. It speaks of immediateness. It speaks of, hey, the moment my eyes open, I want my mind, my heart to be placed upon the Lord. Again, I go back this past week, it's been amazing how my mind's gone back to so many different things as I've read just these 11 verses of Psalm 63. But this past week, I remember in seminary, one of our seminary professors who was a former pastor spent a lot of time with this psalm. And, and I went back and I actually was able to find some of the notes from uh, that class. And, and he was a, a, a retired pastor. He had, he had been in the ministry for over 40 years. He was in his early 80s and he was teaching a pastoral care and, and ministry class. And he was talking about this psalm and and he he made the statement. I went back and I looked at it in my eyes. He made the statement. He says, listen, you wanna talk about the secret to fulfillment in life? He says, listen, the the world is filled with people trying to find fulfillment. He said, David gives it to us right here. You wanna find fulfillment? Fulfillment is not found apart from your relationship with the God that created you. And this is what he would say. He would say to us all the time. He would say, hey, why did God create us? And we kind of think to ourselves and we say, okay, is this a trick question? No, it's not a trick question. Why did God create us? He created us to have a relationship with him. And why wouldn't that relationship with him be the greatest source of our fulfillment? Here is David with many distractions, right? His life is in jeopardy. He's moved from the pit now to the wilderness. And rather than being consumed by the unknowns, rather than being consumed by the things that he can't control, he is consumed by what he can control. He says, my mind, my heart is gonna be fixed on the God whose promises cannot be broken. Therefore, I thirst, I long, my flesh desires God more than the things of this world. But notice, man, he's honest about his situation. I mean, mean, he doesn't doesn't really beat around the bush here. He he tells us here. He says, in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Maybe you can relate to that this morning. That you just feel like that's where you are in this wilderness, right? Maybe, Maybe that's where you feel like you are spiritually in a dry and thirsty land. Let me just say, we've all been there. I know I have. Lord, do you hear me? Lord, do you see me? I've waited patiently upon the Lord, right? That's a repeated phrase of David because he knew what it was like to wait. But over time, he has learned a great promise. that It's only the Lord that can deliver him from the situations that he's in. If you remember last week, let me remind you what he says in Psalm 40, just the opening verses of Psalm 40. He says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me, literally he leant down, he bent down, he gave me his ear." He brought me out of the horrible pit. Listen to what he says, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock and established my steps as a result. Verse three, he's put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. That picture, and we talked about this last Sunday, that picture is this picture of drowning where he talks about that, that God literally plucked him from the waters. It's a picture of drowning, that he placed his feet upon solid ground because the more he tried to deliver himself by his own effort, the more he began to sink even more. David understands this lesson. That his only hope is in the Lord. That our only hope is in the Lord. And because of that, right, he he said, "I waited patiently for the Lord, and He delivered me." And because He's delivered me, man, He's put a song in my heart. And that may be where you are. Maybe you can say the same thing: that hey, I know where I used to be. God found me in that place. He delivered me, and because of that, man, hey, has put a new song in my heart. Or maybe you're still waiting. Maybe you're like the David of Psalm 37 and 38 and 39 leading up to Psalm 40. I'm waiting patiently. Not he's responded yet, but I'm waiting, and I'm waiting with anticipation. But hey, I'm trusting because his timing is perfect. Look what he says next in verse 2. I've looked for you, seen you in the sanctuary, and beheld your power and your glory. Uh, This is humbling to me, again, because I think about the context of what's happening here. Remember, David is away from the sanctuary. He's in the wilderness. He's been driven from the kingdom. He's not in the palace. Here is David in the wilderness, a dry and thirsty land. And he says what I long to see, not the luxuries of my life. He says, I long to see not the pleasures of my life, but I long to see once again your power and your glory as I once did in your sanctuary. But I wanna see it now. Like, I look at this, right, and I don't know about you, but I immediately thought of the passage where Paul talks about that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He says, listen, even in the wilderness, even in this cave, I'm gonna have a worship service. I'm gonna still praise you for who you are because, listen, your praise doesn't have to be contained within a sanctuary, within this room right here, that even in our living rooms, right, the praise of the God that we serve goes beyond us just gathering in this physical place. He says, in this wilderness, I desire to see your power, your glory in the ways that I did in times before. Look at verse three, because your love and kindness, listen to what he says, is better than life. I mean, here is a man, right? You can't fake this. Here is a man fighting for his life. With his life in jeopardy, he makes the statement that, Lord, even if my life shall end physically, I rest in your love and kindness which my life will continue eternally. That even physically, right? If 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 I am harmed in this place, your promises go beyond that. Your loving kindness is better than life. I think of Mark 8:36, where it says, What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his own soul? David says, Hey, I may lose the whole world, but my soul is secure in you. He says, Your loving kindness is better than life. Don't miss this. The word loving kindness is in the present tense. So allow this to sink in this morning where you are. Here's David in a season of uncertainty. Can you relate? In a place of doubt, can you relate? In a place of, hey, I don't know what tomorrow may bring. Can you relate? And in that place, in that present moment, you know what he's consumed by? Not by the questions of what might happen, but by the loving kindness of God in that moment. The Lord in this present place, guess what? I'm walking in your grace. That in this present place, I'm walking in your mercy. That even if, hey, my life ends today, your promises can still not be broken. And because of that, I believe again, I go back. Chapter 40, verse 11, may your truth preserve us continually. Again, I think about this. Here is David in the middle of the wilderness, running from his life from his own son, Absalom, who's already killed his other son for raping his half, sister sister Tamar. He's driven from the kingdom, sleeping in a tent rather than a palace. And what do you find him doing? Praising God. It's Convicting, I'm going to be honest with you. I was convicted the moment that I read where he talked about yearning to see God's glory and power in the sanctuary, that, that the thing that he misses the most is not the luxuries and the comfort of his life, the praise and the adoration of his God. And then here, that, that, that here is David in the middle, middle of the wilderness and in the present moment, he is still consumed by the loving kindness of his God. And we find him praising Look at verse four, thus I will bless you while I live. The Lord, as long as there, there is blood pumping through my veins and as long as there's air in my lungs, I will bless you whether I'm in a pit or in the wilderness, I will bless you. I will lift my hands in your name. I mean, this was a man, right? I mean, you go back, this, this was a, a man from early on who had experienced the power and the presence of God. Just go back to the story of Goliath. I mean, he had a lot that he could go back to. There were many things that he could go back to and say, you know what? I don't understand the now, but God has been faithful. And so I'll trust him. Right, we can say the same thing. But here is David in this place of the wilderness where he says, hey, in this place of suffering and pain, I'm gonna praise you. I will praise you in this storm. Many of you have heard that song. Remember years ago hearing a message from a pastor and the title of the message was the prescription for suffering. I remember I was at a place in my life where I didn't really want to hear it. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation Um, before uh, I was the guy standing on the stage. There have been many times that I was the guy sitting in the room where the Holy Spirit was stirring in my heart. The Holy Spirit was convicting me and and I was doing everything I could to to push it away. I was doing everything I could to, to try to be distracted by anything I could put my mind on other than what the Holy Spirit was trying to tell me. And I remember this message where he talked about that. Hey, he said, if you're suffering and, and if you're in pain and, and if there's questions, he says, I've got a prescription for you. And I really began to listen. Okay. He says, just simply praise the Lord. I was sitting there thinking to myself, there's got to be something more than that, right? He built this thing up, and, and that's it, really, just to praise him. And I remember he stood on that stage and he challenged every one of us in the room. He says, listen, I don't know the details of your life and I don't know the details of your circumstances. But I challenge you that if you're in a place of uncertainty, if you're in a place that's a struggle, if you're in a, a, a storm in your life, he said, I challenge you. Wake up and rather than being consumed by the unknowns, by the gray areas, lift your voice and praise the Lord. And I see that right here with David. Look at what happens here. Look at verse five. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Like I read this and I see a guy like in a cave somewhere. And and I think he's reminiscing back to palace food, right? I mean, I think he's reminiscing back to the steak and the potatoes. Like, I don't know all that they were eating, but but, but I think he's now eating crickets and little weird things. And and he's talking and thinking about me. I was satisfied with marrow and with fatness, the physical things. But look at what he does. But he says, now my satisfaction, what has really quenched me Is my relationship with the Lord and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Listen, he is speaking of feasting, but rather than feasting upon physical food, what he's talking about now is that in the wilderness, in the cave, in the pit, he is feasting upon the presence of the Lord. And he says, listen, you wanna talk about satisfaction? Steak, potatoes, fruit, none of that compared. And quenching, hunger, And quenching thirst, nothing of that compared to the way the presence of the Lord quenches my deepest heart's desire. Because guess what? This is why I was created. Look at verse 5. My mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Listen, listen, this was a guy who had already experienced the power of God, the presence of God, right? He had seen the hand of God. And this was a man who says, listen, whether you deliver me physically now or not, it's not gonna cease my praise. You've already shown yourself faithful. You've already shown yourself to be true. As long as I can speak, I will lift high your name. I remember a professor saying years ago, the definition of personal evangelism, he said, basically, you could summarize it with this. It's one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. I mean, that's really the gospel, right? What does it mean? It means the good news. What are we trying to do? We're trying to share the good news as beggars who found bread, as beggars who recognize that the things of this world cannot quench the deepest desires of the hunger and the thirst that God has created us for. And David is proclaiming that. David is saying, listen, all of those things have been removed. But even though all of those things have been removed, I am sustained, I am full because of the presence of God. My relationship." not a religion, this is my relationship with the God of this universe. You are God, you are my God. You are God, you are my God. As God, this is what the word tells me who you are. As my God, this is what it means for me. Look at verse six. When I remember you on my bed, I love this, I meditate on you and the night watches. He says, when I wake from my sleep, I will place my mind upon you. And listen, this is where the battle takes place. Ephesians 6 tells us spiritual warfare, it's the battle of the mind. And I can relate to this. I'm sure many of you can as well of, of how you've been there in the middle of the night, right? Woken up in the middle of the night, how easy it is for your mind to go to the gray areas, the unknowns, the what ifs. He says, you know what? No, when I awake in the night, I will meditate upon you. Don't miss this. Don't miss the action of this. I will place my mind upon you. There's an action here. I will put my mind upon you. And I'll rest in your promises. Look at verse seven. Because you have been proven yourself my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your, of your wings, I will rejoice. Again, he's claiming the faithfulness of God from tre- previous trials, previous tribulations. Again, just, let's just go back to the story of Goliath. And I pray this morning that wherever you may be, that you can do the same in your place of uncertainty, in your place of questions, that you can go back to a time of your life, where God showed himself faithful. And I believe what we find David doing here is that, hey, I don't know the dot that's going to connect the current moment, but I've seen him work in the past. And because I've seen him work in the past, I will wait patiently upon the Lord. I love what he says. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings... I will rejoice. Listen to what Psalm 91 says. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. Listen to this. His truth shall be your shield. Listen to what David proclaims in verse 8 My soul follows close behind you, your right hand. Upholds me. That phrase there, of it speaking of the closeness of the soul, is the same word that's used in Genesis two twenty four. As it speaks of the relationship of a husband and a wife, as it speaks of one flesh, as it speaks of oneness, it is speaking of intimacy. Right here is David speaking of that intimacy. He says, "What my soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me." We know that in ancient times, a person with higher higher strength stood to the king's right side. That it was it was a mark of of position. It's a mark of, of intimacy, of closeness. David's proclaiming that by the king of kings and the God of gods. My soul follows close behind you. He's speaking of the intimacy of that relationship. Your right hand upholds me. And notice what he does next in verse 9 and 10. But those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion For Do you see what he's doing here? I want you to see what he's doing. He's proclaiming promises that have already been given but have yet to come true. But he's resting in them and he's proclaiming them. Now again, I, I think that's so powerful even in the day and time that we're in that God has given us promises, right? He's given us promises that cannot be broken. How powerful is it that we proclaim those promises? Hey, we don't know when those promises are going to be fulfilled. It may be today, it may be tomorrow. We know that they have to be. Our God would cease to be God. And so what we see David doing is exactly what we can do with where we are today. God, this is what you have said. I stand upon it. I rest in it. And I will wait patiently for you. Whether I'm in a pit, whether I'm in the wilderness, when I know that you're in control of this. And look at how this psalm ends. Look at verse 11. The king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory, but the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. Again, let's back up out of this a little bit and let's go, okay, David, hold on. You're telling me you're running for your life, right? You don't know that tomorrow is even promised or not. And yet you're you're You're, you're rejoicing? And God, wait a minute, you're off the throne, you're in the wilderness, you're running for your life. But David says, yeah, but I know who I am. I've been appointed by God. I've been anointed by God to be king and nothing can take that away from me. You say, well, good for him. That must've been the way things worked back then that if you were a king and you remain king, I want you to see something. Revelation 1, verse five and six. If you got your Bibles, I'm gonna invite you to go there with me if you would. Listen how the Bible describes you and I in Christ. Revelation 1, verse 5 and 6. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins. Hey, be encouraged this morning, right where you are, right there, that statement. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins by his own blood and has made us, listen to this, Receive this, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. What does that mean? You're looking at King Heath, is what that means. And you ain't gotta call me that right now. We can wait till heaven, till we get into all those official titles and all that. But according to what this, this passage promises, that in Christ... It's already been established. And so we can put ourselves in the category of David and say, hey, I may be in the wilderness. I may be in the pit, but God has made his promises. And because of who I am in Christ, those promises cannot be broken. I rest in the truth that continually preserves me. And I pray, wherever the Lord may have you in this time, you will rest in the truth that continually preserves us and that each day we may be like David, right? That each day we may be like David, that rather than running to the thoughts and the gray areas and being consumed in the things that we have no control over, may we be like David Will we say, Lord, if you're gracious and merciful enough to wake me up tomorrow, may I be found pursuing you first. May I be found seeking you first. May I be found more consumed with who you are and your loving kindness and your grace and your mercy than the unknowns of this world. Because even if my life ends today, your promises secure me for all of eternity. May the truth of God preserve us continually. And I pray you're in this each day, how critical it is right now in the life of the believer be seeking truth each day. And we look forward with great anticipation to the time that we can gather back together to the work that God is doing in the midst of this season. Join with me if you would as we go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, again we thank you for the great privilege it is to open your word together in unique times, in unique ways. Lord, nonetheless, your truth preserves us your truth secures us and we thank you lord on this side of the empty tomb lord we thank you for the fulfillment of the greatest promise we thank you for a savior who has redeemed us saved us and who has washed us clean from our sins we thank you for your word and we thank you lord for the promises that cannot be broken May we run to you each day. We pray it, we ask it. In the name of Christ, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon.